Welcome to the Newberry Tart Podcast. Your hosts, Marcy and Jenny, are talking and drinking their way through Newberry award-winning books, past and present. Welcome back to the Newberry Tart Podcast. This is the last episode of season two. We'll be discussing the winner of the 2014 Newberry Award, Kate DiCamillo's Florin Ulysses, The Illuminated Adventures, with beautiful illustrations by K.G. Campbell. I'm Jenny. And I'm Marcy. And today we're drinking a frozen pink squirrel, which is the frozen version of the 70s cocktail drink, and eating Emerald's Nutty Granola Bars that we found via Martha Stewart's website. So we'll talk about those a little bit later. And we have a citation for you from the Horn Book so that you'll know what we're talking about. Ten-year-old Florabelle Buckman's life changes when she resuscitates a squirrel after his near-death experience with her neighbor's Ulysses 2000X vacuum. Flora discovers that the incident has caused the squirrel, whom she also names Ulysses, to acquire superpowers. Despite being a natural-born cynic, Flora's lively imagination and love of comics, such as the illuminated adventures of the amazing Incandesto, help her believe that Ulysses is bound for superhero greatness. There's only one problem. Ulysses' arch-nemesis, Flora's self-absorbed romance novel writing, squirrel-hating mother. So I'm going to be honest with you. I had not read this book until we were doing the for the podcast. I don't know why, <laughs> but for some reason... I really thought that Flora and Ulysses was going to be about a girl and her squirrel, but just in like a quaint way, like they were going to sit in the trees and maybe eat peanut butter and like, just <laughs> well, have were like, you in for a surprise? yeah, just have like some heart to hearts, you know, like she's talking to the squirrel and the squirrel's just staring at her, but she thinks it's her friend. I really had a very cynical kind of jerky idea about, um, about the book, and I was completely blown away. Um, I really fell in love with this book. I think it's incredible. I like this book, but I don't love it. Really? Yeah, and I know that that's like blasphemy because Kate Camillo is like amazing, and I do love her other books. But I think, I think it's a function of the way I read personally because I read very quickly usually, and I like the kind of books that have. Um, I don't even know how to describe it, but I like the books that have uh, a world that you can get into, whereas this, I think, is so um, character-driven and, uh, uh, what's the word for, like, verbal, it's a, it's a book that I think would read aloud amazingly, as opposed to just being read quietly to yourself. Like, it's, it's a, it's, it feels like a loud book. Hmm. even though she's doing quiet things. Hmm. I um, I support you in your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but you're wrong. No, I'm not wrong. I just, um, for me, I love comic books. And so to see a seamless blending of prose and sequential art and some of the extra kind of comic fonts in there as well. Um, and unlike Dollbone's, this story is, it's really happening. Yeah, well, maybe that's what it There's is. There's no ambiguity. Maybe it's that it feels more comic booky or graphic novel-y than, than a regular middle grade novel, and I just have a preference for like the fuller 
like book experience, if that makes sense. Mm. I'm, I'm saying that badly. I think I just prefer reading like a novel novel as opposed to mm. such I mean, he, she's obsessed with comic books, and she speaks in the way that comic book people speak, and there's lots of, like, pauses in the... And it's actually, I mean, it's obviously super well done, but the pauses are very reminiscent of the way that panel comics work, mm-hmm. just in, in reading them. Yeah. Um, and it's just not my particular favorite for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and super, super well done. Yeah, and I... Um as many comics as I've read over the years, I hadn't, I'd never seen a children's book incorporate sequential art in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's of course Brian Selznick's work, um, where you have the full page spreads and then you might have some text. Um, but I'd never seen it where you have panels that are the whole story, part of that story or the whole, um, not just illustrations to accompany, but like yeah. part of the... Yeah, panels that are embedded in the story um, that further the story along. And then you go back to text and then you keep switching back and forth. Um, and I thought that was pretty incredible. There are some other books that do similar things to that, are similar that are similar to Flora and Ulysses' format, but I don't feel like they pull it off as seamlessly. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's one of the things I find so surprising about this book is that it's written by one person and then it's drawn by another because there is that seamlessness. It really, to me reads as a book fully born from one person's head. It does. Yeah. And I think that's pretty incredible too. But the other books that I know off the top of my head kind of mix prose passages with, with art Um, these are not middle grade friendly, so don't, I mean, if you want to read them first and then put them in the hand of a kid, that's cool, but don't blame me (laughs) and don't give them to them cold. Um, there's, uh, Diary of a Teenage Girl by Phoebe Glockner and there's, um, Cruddy by Linda Berry. Um, it is always good to give warnings before recommending books to kids. You're, you're just reminding me of this one time when I was at work and somebody came in looking for a new series for her daughter and her daughter liked mysteries and Sherlock Holmes and all that. And so there's this series about the made up uh, younger sister. Enola Holmes. Yeah. yeah. Enola Holmes. Yeah. And she's like, so is this like appropriate for my daughter? We're like, Oh yeah, of course. No problem. I mean, it's in our little like series section. So you'd think that everything is appropriate, but we hadn't read it. We just knew what it was about. And so we're like, yes, of course, for that age, it's perfect. And the reading level was perfect. (laughs) But this woman came back not three hours later, and she just opened the book and held it out to us and pointed. It was like page three. There's like the description of of a murdered prostitute. Oh. So we're like, oh, not appropriate. Oh. (laughs) Um, That's not the Enola Holmes book that I read. But But it is for kids. Yeah. 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 And I probably would be fine with that with my kid reading it as long as we had a discussion about you know sex workers are people too and put it in historical context and all that stuff I can see it being shocking for someone who's not expecting it Mm -hmm. but the Enola Holmes book I read 
was about creating ciphers. <laughs> it was not in like and putting codes in her dress, like in her dress lighting. It was not. I mean, it wasn't about that, but yeah. there was like a mention in passing. Yeah. And of course, the little girl's like, what's a prostitute? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. So it was just awkward. Yeah. I think I liked and disliked some of the same things for different reasons. Like the quirkiness is awesome like the characters the language the descriptions like everything is very very quirky which I enjoy but also just in terms of reading it I felt like it kind of um, almost slowed me down because again it felt almost like like comic panels or like that should be being read aloud Mm -hmm. like all these phrases like individually were crafted so nicely that I felt like the particular way that I read which tends to be pretty quick I like I wanted to read them out loud or just like savor these little phrases. Um but like the thing she says, like holy bagumba or um this malfeasance must be stopped. It was very mm-hmm. enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I think there are some words that I would trip on a little bit and I I do something that I often do, which is um kind of abbreviate or change it to something that's a little bit quicker for me to hmm. to process. So Holy Bagumba actually became Holy Bazookas in my head. Um, I think that was the only thing I did that with in this book. Um, but I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think that, um, yeah, I mean, I think the formatting just isn't, for, you know, it's, it, it is unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's fair for it not to be for every reader. The action is very character-driven, and um, I agree that it's quirky, but I also really loved the way that these characters are developed. And um, and I think part of that might be just because I am such a big comics fan, um, so I don't always need a lot of, maybe like a lot of development mm-hmm. of the character or introduction. Um, because I feel like there are visual cues that you get when you see them on the page that fill in questions that you might normally have. Um, so whereas if it didn't have pictures, I think it would have, it would have suffered from that. Um, they do feel very well developed. Like they're very, um, you know, sometimes you start to read a chapter book, especially, and you're just like, oh, you know, girl, (laughs) yeah, you know, 12 year old boy or whatever. And you just kind of like. They have their own personalities, but it's mild. Mm-hmm. They feel very individual and very specific. Mm-hmm. Like, these are the kind of characters I could see. I have no idea what her writing process is, but I could see her having character Bibles for for these to figure out who everybody is. And the pictures are, are so helpful and uh, so perfectly suited to the characters. But... Um, no, they're great. And I particularly fell in love with Ulysses. I loved um, reading his awakening. Mm-hmm. And I loved what he started to do with his new brain, which was to try to communicate more with Flora and then to try to write. Um, also, eat cheese puffs. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I love his poem. Here it is. Let's see. I love your round head, the brilliant green, the watching blue, these letters, this world, you. I am very, very hungry. <laughs> just, like, it's so, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. 
It is. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say that Ulysses is a childlike character. Um, I would say that Ulysses is just a newly awake character. Yeah. And I always appreciate that when you get to see the perspective of a character like that and they, you know, you see what they love and you see what they're seeing very purely, like you're not seeing any kind of filters or artifice um, because they just don't have it. So um, I was talking with some other friends about this book and someone brought up um, Flowers for Algernon. Oh, yeah. And I have not read it or seen the movie that's based on it. Have really? You? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that book is amazing. It's one of those, like, assigned reading books that I actually liked. Um, but, yeah, so you know what it's about? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that actually is, that makes a lot of sense to hmm. correlate to this book. So we got into a discussion about whether or not it's better to stay ignorant and not be awake, awaken to the, the environment around you. Like if you're a Ulysses and you just live your squirrel life, or if it's better to evolve like Ulysses and we don't see this in this book, he just stays mm-hmm. evolved. Um, and then you degrade back into kind of your original state. Well, I don't know. For for Ulysses, it seems like he always knew that, like, cats were bad and things were out to get him and he was hungry. So he, there were no, like, benefits to being just a squirrel. But once he becomes Ulysses, then he has, one, better food, <laughs> two, flora, three, the ability to uh, be aware of of people who are out to get him, so at least he could avoid it. Mm-hmm. And he gets things like poetry and and... Flying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And those and cheese even, puffs. And the cheese puffs. And even if he did devolve, he would then be a squirrel and hopefully not be aware of the difference. And not remember. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you I would hope for you for for Ulysses. Yeah. Because otherwise, I think he would just, it would just be too sad. Yeah. And so I'm, gl- I'm grateful that that's not included in the book. But I thought it was an interesting point um, that one of my friends brought up about it. Definitely. So the mom character, I thought she was just the right amount of cartoon villainous. Mm-hmm. Like, car- well, she had the right amount of cartoon villainy. The part that went a little too far for me was when she wanted, she stuffed Ulysses in a bag and then wanted the dad to hit him with a shovel. I was really, I was really like upset by that. I know because you would think that like catch and release would do the same job. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it seemed like, um, the mom was more oblivious than, than like evil, but that was, that was a little bit far. Yeah. And otherwise, I mean, she just seemed so in her own world and, um, you know, with the shepherdess lamp, which I just, it's so funny (laughs) that lamp is so funny and her attachment to it is so funny. Marianne. Mm-hmm. And her just, you know, being like to the dad, oh, you just don't understand me. 
you know, kind of thing. Um, You can really see why they got divorced. I can too. Um, But I thought, and I thought it was interesting that they ended up getting back together. Yeah. And it's interesting how like, she's such an unsympathetic character, but she's a writer. And I find that normally in books, like the most, um, the character that the authors identify with most, they usually make writers, but that seems to be definitely not the case here. Mm -hmm. But I would say Flora is a writer too. Yeah. So, and Ulysses. And Ulysses, yes. <laughs> so, what about the neighbors? Because essentially, Miss um, Tickum, Tootie, vac- Tootie hmm? Tickum, yeah, Tootie Tickum, Miss <laughs> Tootie, Miss Tickum, um, got a va- vacuum cleaner that she did not want from her husband. Which is another instance of the the comic. Uh, panels inclusion like working really well because mm-hmm. her facial expression when she gets that vacuum says it all yeah and then um she vacuums up ulysses and thinks she's killed him but she's just ripped the hair off most of it most of his body which he looks very cute despite that he does thankfully none of it got off like none of it was ripped off his face yeah his tail seems okay too because he could look i mean Grody. He could look real, <laughs> real hideous. <laughs> I mean, like, like real bad. And I mean, I guess that's a suspension of disbelief, disbelief kind of thing. Because even, even with only the body hair being ripped off, there would be like scabs and like chafing and stuff. Like he'd be pink and red and brand, like kind of bruised. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that, for that kind of glossing over because I didn't want to see like a a wrecked squirrel body. <laughs> Good job, Mr. Gamble. <laughs> um, but I love that as a superhero origin story. <laughs> Vacuuming. It's a, yeah, it's a pretty great superhero origin story. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, you know, it doesn't involve acid or radiation or, Buzz. um, yeah, or any of the many, many ways that, um, humans have become superheroes in the past. It, it is very unique and creative. Mm-hmm. And what about William Spiver? He's, he's a little, a little, a little dramatic for my taste. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I get, I get him. I get what's happening with him. He's interesting, but he's also very dramatic. So I guess I should mention in case anybody has not read this. That, so, William Spiver is the great nephew of their neighbors, the Tickums, and he is there visiting, insists on being called by his full name, and wears kind of creepy glasses and says that he is temporarily blind from trauma. <laughs> yeah, he pushed his, his mom's boyfriend's, or is his mom's husband's, truck into a sinkhole. Yes. Which, you know, that's pretty that's pretty intense, right? And I, But I don't... <laughs> I don't know if really the rest of him matches up with that. So I don't even know if I believe that he did it. Maybe he made it up. He might have. I think he was really temporarily blind, though. I mean, unless he was pretending. I feel like he was pretending. You think he was pretending? I got that vibe. I wondered, uh, because he could very much have faked, like, waving to Flora the wrong way, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know. And he lied about the glasses being attached to his head. I forgot that part. What do you mean attached to his head? When she insisted that he take them off and he's like, I can't. And she was like, why? And he was like, they're, they're 
I can't. They're attached to me. <laughs> oh yeah, th- that's what I'm saying. He's way too dramatic. Mm-hmm. Like almost. <laughs> He's extra, as the kids would say. <laughs> well, and he was giving her story suggestions later. So I feel like he could easily have made up the whole sinkhole situation. Yeah. yeah. And the, and Flora's dad, I feel like, wasn't much of a character, even though he ended up kind of saving the day and he ended up being in a good portion of the book. I didn't feel like I got to know him very well. Well, I kind of, I liked him, actually. I kind mm-hmm. of thought that he was sort of, maybe an introvert or a quieter person who was overwhelmed by the mom. Mm-hmm. And especially like, maybe he just wasn't there and the character, the way it was written seemed a little bit not there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm expressing that very well, but it seemed like his personality and the way he was written reflected each other. And I really liked the part in the diner where he started quoting her favorite comic books even though she hadn't brought that up when the same like superhero stuff was happening that's true yeah he's a good dad i mean he's not there he's not there all the time but it sounds like that's because or it seems like that's because of a custody arrangement not yeah like it seemed like the mom made him stay away Mm -hmm. and not that he wanted to he he seems like he gets flora more than the mom does yeah and that was really cool to see flora having an ally in one of her parents Mm -hmm. and kind of um and the support of giving her reading material and engaging her with reading material that she likes. Um, yeah. Well, and it seems like a lot of times in, in kids' stories, like the kid is operating completely on their own and nobody knows what's happening or believes them or whatever. And he goes straight to her favorite, like, holy bagumba, <laughs> when he sees the same things that she said that about. So it's, they seem like they're on kind of the same wavelength. So mm-hmm. I liked that. So I loved the Dr. Meshams. I thought they were almost like soothsayers um, or oracles, if you will. And I don't know. They they came off as creepy to me or sort of <laughs> ominous. Like I felt like something bad was going to happen and I didn't know what. <laughs> <laughs> like they were going to cast a spell or they were going to just like disappear, Flora and her dad? I or... don't know. Just... I don't know. They seem like people who would spike your drink. I don't know. <laughs> they freaked me out. <laughs> Maybe it was like the whole ambiance of that building too, where the dad lived, because they were talking about like the green gloom of the hallways and like the cat lurking, ready to pounce, and you had to run to get to your like apartment. It yeah. just seemed so creepy. And then like you get grabbed and sucked into this apartment. Where they're like, yes, yes, I see what you mean. <laughs> this apartment building is a little like sideways story from Wayside. It's a little Wayside School. Yeah. Um, it, it's, yeah, you just feel like there's stuff coming around every corner. And none of it really makes an enormous amount of sense. But altogether, it's a creepy, interesting place. Yeah, that's true. That's completely yeah. true. Is there anything you disliked about the book? I mean, you already talked yeah. a little bit about... Yeah. It's just not my style, I think. I And I was thinking about it recently, and all of my very favorite books have in common, like, really intense world building. Like, um, I'm talking about grown-up books here for the most part, but, um, well, not necessarily. Like, Robin McKinley's books, um, or the Narnia books, or... The Amber Spyglass, 
um, the night circus. Like when I was looking at my really favorite books up all on a shelf, I realized that what they all had in common was like really super uh, immersive world building, world building. And this book is just not like that. It's really character driven and um, plot driven too, but it's just not my favorite kind of book, even though like it's crafted perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I can see where it would be a great story if you like comic books or if you like to read out loud or if it, this is just more your style. It's just not my style. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to belabor that point. We should have to keep explaining yourself. <laughs> no, it's okay. Why, I d- Marcy? Why? <laughs> I know. Well, it's hard because like it's 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 like going to a restaurant and seeing something on the menu and your friends order it. And they're like, why don't you like it? And I'm like, I just hate blue cheese. And like, that is clearly like the most beautiful and perfect blue cheese salad you've ever had. Tastes like feet, not for me. It's just not my thing. <laughs> um, but I would, I would unhesitatingly recommend it to other people. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is something that I would, I mean, I would give to everybody. I, I, I can't, I can think of so many different types of readers for this. Like, I kind of unabashedly love it. Mm-hmm. Um and it's funny because with all of the adventure and all of the crazy things that happen, there's really, there's nothing inappropriate in this book for anybody. Um, the reading level is pretty high. The vocabulary is spectacular. It's super quirky. The characters are great. People stand up for themselves and, and love is like the main point. And it has all the ingredients of an awesome book. Mm-hmm. And it is an awesome book. I particularly enjoy that Flora is... Um, kind of a take no prisoners character. Mm -hmm. And um, I like that, that she's not feisty. She's just really smart and assertive and assertive. Yeah. Feisty. Like I like how when that boy is bothering her, she's like, get out of my way, William Spiver. (laughs) Yeah. I have places to go. Yeah. And I love that she has that much agency that she's just like, I have things to do. I don't know what your nonsense is but get out of my way. Yeah. And, um, I love that, that there's a hero that's so bookish in that way mm-hmm. <clears throat> or a hero that's so bookish, but also not a pushover. Yeah. Um, for a boy or girl character, I, I think that's rare. Um, I think often the hero has to be coaxed into being like standing up for what they believe is right. Or they're like super sassy. Yeah. Yeah. And she just knows what she knows is right. Um, she does learn and grow some on some things, but um, overall, she just stands up for what she believes in. So, um, our recommended read-alikes. So, my first one is um, it's it was a Batchelder Award winner. Um, I cannot remember the year that it won. Um, it's called Conrad, and it's by Christine Nostlinger. I hope I'm not sure if I said that. Correct. That's a crazy name. Um, I, it was originally in German, I believe, and the Batchelders are um, books that are translated into English and published. Um, the award is specifically for translated books. Um, so that um, Conrad reminds me of Flora and Ulysses in that it's a quirky premise. There's a woman who's middle-aged. Um, she gets a box one day, and there's a boy in it. Um, and he's a mechanical boy, and she mm-hmm. has to decide. Um, 
well, it might have been a mistake that she was sent him, and she has to, to figure out how to raise him and figure out um, how to teach him how to be human. Um, and so it has that same sense of like quirky wonder. Um, because it was written a while ago and because it was translated, I think there's a few things in there that are maybe not at the forefront of like busting gender norms and stereotypes. Um, but it's a, it's a lot of fun and, um, it's, it's concerned with their, with the character who maybe shouldn't have the awareness that the character has and what happens to them. The next one is the unbeatable squirrel girl series. Oh yeah. Um, the newest one, uh, written by Ryan North and it's, um, illustrated by a variety of comic artists. Um, Doreen is a squirrel girl and she is plucky and excited and just ready to take on the world, um, and fight super villains. And, um, I, I can't say enough good things about that series. It's just so fun. Um, and Doreen is not stick thin, which is something you don't usually see with superheroes, particularly women, um, when you're dealing with superhero comics from kind of the main two. Well, my reading like is uh, Scaredy Squirrel, which is a series of picture books. So they're for much younger readers, but they are amazing about um, a very anxious squirrel. <laughs> and so um, actually the quirk level in that is, is pretty similar to this book. But there's a there's a main kind of story of what's happening, but the pages are just packed with all these little side notes, which are not only very entertaining, but uh, really embody the way that somebody who's anxious thinks because it's just like this or that or this or that or this or what about that and look at that um and they're really enjoyable <laughs> they're and they're very detailed um and i appreciate that so uh i think it's the first book he has you see the little kit that scary squirrel has that always strapped to him um so that if he falls out of the tree yes he has what he needs <laughs> yeah so he has like I can't remember what was in there. It was like toilet paper and like scissors and like just you know, snacks in there. I think yeah, there snacks. snacks. It's like all the things that he could possibly need in his backpack ready to go when he's sitting in the tree staring out in case he falls. And um, I, I love that. I love that so much. Well, it just occurred to me that it, not exactly a read better than, but if, again, this book is just not your style, but you really like the author because she's amazing and obviously just like a master of her craft. Um, her other books are excellent. Um, the magician's elephant in particular, I like, um, but there are, there are many, many books to choose from that she's written that are varied. And, um, she does a thing that only really good authors can do where she can write completely different feeling books that are all really well done so that if one of them is just not for you you can usually find something else that she's written that's amazing that suits you the miraculous journey of edward tulane is one of my absolute oh, yeah. favorite books of all time so what do you think of the frozen pink squirrel marcy well <laughs> as we have discussed um, dairy alcohol drinks are really not my jam, but this one isn't terrible. Um, it tastes like it's, it's pink, like a light pink, but it tastes like chocolate and almonds, which is pretty good. Um, 
the more liquid it gets, the less I like it. So I left mine in the freezer for a little while and, and had to spoon it out. And then it was almost like a really airy ice cream, which I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think I could drink a whole one. But I also couldn't drink a whole milkshake or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually very well suited to the book because it's obviously milk, a really good drink and well made. And I just don't like it. <laughs> and I actually, I, I really think of... Um, the kids in the hall girl drink drunk sketch. Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Okay. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, it's basically a man who never really drank that much. And then he starts becoming kind of addicted to girl drinks. Um, like chocolate choo choo, stuff like that. (laughs) Cosmos. Um, I think they're more like made up kind of circuit. Some of them are kind of made up kind of almost circusy names, Mm -hmm. like just to emphasize the girliness of them. (laughs) Um, and, uh, so yeah, it's pink. It's tastes like chocolate and almonds, exactly what Marcy says, said. And, um, I really found it very enjoyable and delightful. Um, I think that I could have used a smaller glass of it though, like <laughs> just because I wanted to be my choice if I drank that much of it mm-hmm. and I was kind of in a big glass. I think a little bit kind of goes a long way, but it's really tasty and it, um, it's not heavy. No, and it doesn't have that weird, like, you know, Tootsie Rolls. I mean, I've had like one in my whole life because I think they're disgusting, but they're like little turds. But um, <laughs> they're like little poops. Is that better? <laughs> um, <laughs> I probably won't cut that out. The Tootsie um, Roll people will be after us. <laughs> Are there Tootsie Roll people anymore? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a company, right? I think they made them all in the 60s and just stockpiled them. Oh, God, them. they probably did. They're like those peanuts. Remember those like Halloween? The circus peanuts? Yes. Door stops. They still no. They still make those. Again, I think they just think filled I'm, up a bunker in the sixties. But 60s. they're not even marshmallows. No. Like I thought they were marshmallows, and so one time I ate like bit into one, and it was like my teeth didn't pull away. It's like made it's out like, of, like gummy. Foam. I don't. Oh, it's gross. But um, so it doesn't have that weird like chocolatey taste of like a Tootsie Roll. No. Um, I mean, it, it tastes actually like tastes like chocolate. like chocolate. Yeah. And that's, that's the creme de cacao. Cacao. <laughs> I know that's right. Um, I'm, you know, and the creme de almond, I mean, that's obviously that, um, where that comes from, but, um, no, I, I actually really enjoyed it. I was surprised at how much I liked it. And then the, um, the Martha Stewart, well, Emerald's nutty granola bars. Those were good. They're very good. They do taste like. Um, they taste like a smoky, crunchy peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. I, um, did not expect to like them because I don't know. Granola is not super appealing. We're learning Marcy doesn't like good things. <laughs> I don't like a lot of things. <laughs> you will find out the more snacks we try to make. Um, I am a picky, picky eater, but, um, these are really good. There's, um, almonds and oats and dried cranberries in there um and it's all held together by sort of a peanut butter honey caramel and um yeah really good it's very tasty so we'll post both of those um we'll post both of those in the show notes and we're i guess officially done with our second season yeah so our next season is going to cover um two years because um they both had a small number of winners. So it's going to be 1963 and 64, mm-hmm. which um, will include 
A Wrinkle in Time and lots of extra bonus material because we're both in love with that book. Thanks for joining us for season two of the Newberry Tart podcast. We'd love to hear what you think and um, hear any suggestions you have about future episodes of drinks and snacks that um, would fit with books that are coming up. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And you can always email us at tarts at newberrytart.com. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Production assistance for Newberry Tart is provided by Raphael Siebenman and Liam Grove. Graphic design by Liz Meitinger. Intro and outro by Ariana Hargrave. Theme music for this podcast is provided by the laid-back and local Throckmorton Ukulele Band. You can hear more of their music on Facebook. Find more Newberry Tart episodes at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Our website is Newberry Tart. That's N-E-W-B-E-R-Y-T-A-R-T dot com.